Hey again, church. I hope that you've already been really encouraged and uplifted as we have joined together in worship of our great God through song. And I certainly hope and pray that as we have time in the Word together now, uh, that you will continue to be very encouraged and enriched and just ready for the week ahead. With today being another virtual service, instead of jumping back into our summer series that we've been doing, the What's in a Name series, I decided and really just felt led of God to wait until we are in person next week to resume that. And so for today, I wanted to actually add a third and final installment to the Zoom Out um, study that we've done here remotely, virtually, for the last couple weeks. So this will be part three. Uh, I intended really for it to only be a two-part message, but God just uh, continued to lay something specific on my mind and heart, and and I really just felt that uh, this is what I should share with you. So um, I want to, as we're continuing to think about zooming out from all of the chaos and and craziness and confusion of of our current events and circumstances, uh, we've talked about in the first week the need to love one another well, to be people of peace as much as possible, to think about others more than we think about ourselves, and uh, showing mutual respect and honor. And then last week we talked about the need for us Christians, the church, to be people of submission. And as difficult and hard and inconvenient and uncomfortable as all of that is, that that's still absolutely what we're called to. And we looked uh, at the early church We kind of went back and evaluated their circumstances, what were current events for them in the midst of being told and challenged and commanded um, by the Holy Spirit through Paul, through Peter, to submit to the governing authorities over them, recognizing that they were placed over them by God, and honoring and submitting to those leaders actually translate to honoring and submitting to God himself. And uh, so we, we put that into perspective and we said that, you know, a lot of our current mandates and restrictions certainly are not preferred by us. They're certainly inconvenient and uncomfortable, yet they don't come even close to what uh, our brothers and sisters throughout history and even currently in a lot of uh, the other areas in the world uh, find themselves in and yet still willingly and even joyfully decide to submit regardless. And so uh, hopefully you were challenged and encouraged by that as we looked at that last week. This week, as we conclude the Zoom Out study, uh, I want to just remind everyone that there are a lot of things throughout God's Word that we can absolutely agree on, that we should agree on, and that we must agree on. Uh, and especially right now, as disagreements and division just continue to be a reality, as they continue to just rage on, um, I think that it's important for us to pause and just zoom out from all that and to remind ourselves of things that we absolutely can agree on, that we absolutely must agree on, agree on and that when we do, when we choose to focus not on things that are up for debate, not on things that we uh, might disagree about, but rather when we focus on things that are absolutely concrete, solid, and that no matter how we're coming to it, no matter what our, our personal opinions are or backgrounds 
or where we are in life, that we as the body of Christ can come to to this particular area with with total agreement. And when we do that, we're going to be better off. We're going to be encouraged. We're going to find a shared hope and a shared purpose and a shared strength. And that's definitely what we need. Um, there's a passage. This is not where we'll be uh, for the bulk of our time. But there's a passage in Psalm, Psalm 133.1, that says this, How delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. And that is certainly true. And we can all attest to that, that uh, it's always so much better off in every context when people can come together in agreement, in harmony, in unity. And that's especially true for the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. Whenever we are able to cut out the noise and the distractions and instead of focusing on all in life that we can and often do disagree on, when we shift the focus to what we can and must agree on, we're all better off for it. And so it's with that in mind that I want to turn your attention to 1 Peter, to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be focusing on verses 3 through 9 today. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. And here's what God's Word says to us in this passage, and it's, it's full of hope and joy and encouragement, and it's something that every Christian, every Christian, can uh, come to an approach with absolute agreement, with unity, and indeed we must, we must do that. So here it is, 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So in just verses 3 and 4, we see so much that we can absolutely agree on as Christians regardless of background, regardless of how we look at other things in and around our lives, this is something we can absolutely come to and agree on. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So another way of looking at that is praise be. Praise be to God and Father, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Certainly, we can all agree on that, right? That God is absolutely worthy and deserving of our praise, of our Uh, honor of our worship, uh, of us bringing praise to Him. Uh, We've just done that this morning and should every time we gather together um, to sing praise, but it shouldn't in any way be limited to expressions of worship through song. Uh, That every aspect of our being as those who are in Christ should be full of praise. Our our mindset, our attitude, uh, what we choose to think about, the words of our mouth, Our actions all should come back to praise to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because He's always worthy of that. He's always worthy and always deserving of that. No matter what is going on around us and in our lives and in this world, He will always be worthy of complete honor, praise, and glory. So we can agree on that. We should agree on that. We must agree on that. 
And Peter gives us really the reason um, for that praise and for God being considered blessed uh, from us and, and something that we should be pursuing. It says, because of his great mercy. So when we take a step back from our situation, um, like the current situation of coronavirus that's ongoing, we should be able to think about the the fact that we have abundant mercy from God. We, we're, we're not getting what we deserve. That's mercy. Um, I, I talked about last week that um, our rights as humans, when we come to Christ, we see and we realize that all of that was nailed to Christ's cross. And humanly speaking, all that is ours by rights, all that is fair for us is to be judged for our sin and sentenced to hell. But in Christ, we don't receive that. Instead, we receive mercy. And so, because of God's great mercy, He is worthy of being blessed by us, by our words, by our thoughts, by our our actions. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth. Remember, we deserve hell. We deserve being judged fairly by a holy God. That's not what happens, though, in and through Christ. Instead, we've been given new birth, not eternal death, but new and eternal life, new birth into a living hope, a living hope. You know, everybody's hungry for hope, and now more than ever. I mean, we are constantly reminded of the fact that we are all, um, right now in our world, hungry for hope. Everybody's looking for hope, even a small glimpse of it. And there are certain aspects of life that will be able to give a version of hope, but even the best human provision of hope will be temporary and fleeting at best. What we all need is a living or a a continual or perpetual, indeed an eternal hope. That's what we all need, a hope that transcends circumstances and situation, a hope that transcends time, a hope that transcends physical life that goes past death beyond that holds out and ushers us into something new and better well that living hope is only found in and through jesus christ and specifically what peter says in the next part of this that we've been given new birth all because of god's great mercy into a living or constant never-ending hope And here's how we get access to it. Here's how this is conveyed to us. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's how we have access to this living hope. That's the source of this living hope. It's not found in us or anything that we can manufacture. It's found in the person of Jesus and through his undeniable resurrection from the dead. And that is good news. That's really, really good news that that there's this reality waiting for us. And this reality is given to us when we come to Jesus Christ, when we receive Him as our Savior and Lord. And again, this is something that we all can agree on. This is something that's not up for debate. This is something that we, we have to agree on. And when we do, we will find 
shared uh, mutual encouragement and hope and comfort and courage to face the circumstances that we still find ourselves in as we go through life. So, um, we have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and we get it from that, and it carries us into the following, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. All of those things are stark and beautiful contrasts to everything we see in and around us in life, right? Um, All day long, we're reminded of the fact that this life, life as we know it, is absolutely perishable. It's easily defiled. It's completely corruptible and fleeting, not unfading. Um, But what we have through Christ, all tied to His resurrection, all sourced in His great mercy, is this inheritance. What does He mean by inheritance? Well, think of what Jesus Himself prayed for in John 17 in His great intercessory high priestly prayer right before He went to the cross. He said, Father, I want those You've given Me, those that, that will come to Me, not just the ones that are with Me now, the disciples gathered around Me physically, but those that will believe on Me through my disciples' message. I want all that you give me to be with me where I am, with you in glory, that they may see the glory that you have given me that I give to them. So this inheritance that Jesus prayed for uh, in, in John 17 is really what I think Peter is talking about here, referencing this great inheritance that awaits us It's an inheritance of glory. It's an inheritance of shared glory, which Jesus shares with us. And it's an inheritance of of ongoing eternal life, just like the ongoing eternal hope that we have. Uh, The hope we have is for unending life. Uh, It's an eternal hope of an eternal life and also of an eternal glory that we're able to witness and know and experience without any filter or uh, nothing that is a barrier between us and the great glory of God. We're going to be able to step right into that, something we can't do right now. Uh, But all that's waiting for us, like an inheritance that we haven't come into yet. And uh, it's promised to us. And it's, it's going to be imperishable. It's going to be uh, undefiled. Nothing can defile it. Think of, of Jesus um, in Matthew where he says, don't keep piling up or storing up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth can come in and destroy and thieves can break in and, and steal and rust can decay. No, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of that can happen. That's the same idea here. Um, so it's an imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance. And, and notice where, it, where it's kept. As I just referenced from what Jesus said in Matthew, it's kept in heaven where nothing corruptible, nothing harmful, nothing sinful can come anywhere close to it. It's kept in heaven for us. Again, good news, encouraging news. And it's something that we all can agree on. We all can agree on the fact that we're not going to find this kind of thing anywhere on earth or anywhere in this life. And we can all agree, those of us who have already placed faith in Christ, we can all agree on the fact that if He was able to come and die on the cross for us and not be defeated by that death on a cross, but rather come to life 
and to give us eternal life, then certainly He is able to keep all these things for us, to keep that inheritance for us, to keep it all from being perishable or defiled or, or for it to be fading away. And so we can trust Him. We can all agree on that. And we should agree on that. And not only is this great inheritance kept in heaven for us, kept by God and specifically kept by our Savior, but, but listen to what else it says. You are being guarded by God's power through faith, through the faith we have in Christ, for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So not only do we have an inheritance, a glorious inheritance kept in heaven for us by God, but you, you and I together, are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So what that means is our hope isn't up to us. We don't have to hold on tightly in our own strength to to know the reality of this living hope. We don't have to hold on tightly to our own salvation to um, to keep ourselves saved. In other words, our our salvation and the security of that isn't up to us. It's being guarded and kept by God and His power, which is far greater than any power we have or know in any experience on this side of eternity. Again, that's something we can all absolutely agree on and and should and must agree on. And the salvation um, that is being ready to be revealed in the last time, that's another thing that we can agree on. We may not agree on all the ins and outs of what it's going to look like when Jesus Christ returns. Uh, that's what is being referenced here. The revelation of the salvation in the last time, that's all tied to the revelation, the personal physical revelation and return of Jesus Christ, which he promised. He said, I'm going to come again. You're going to see me. I will physically, visibly, literally return. Uh, I'm going to go away. I'm going to get things ready for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to, I'm going to ensure that your inheritance is kept for you. And until that time, I'm going to keep you um, by my power, but I will be revealed again. I will come for you in the last, in the last of all time. And in that time, the salvation that you have um, trusted me for and in our trusting me for and the salvation that you have rested your faith on, it will be absolutely revealed. In other words, your faith and your, your salvation by faith, it will all be made sight and you'll step into it in full measure. You'll completely embrace it. And so that's something that we can all agree on and we have to all agree on as Christians. We may not know all the details. We may not agree on on all the scenarios and everything that's going to play out and all the ways in which it's going to play out. And, you know, we can we can interpret end times prophecy in different ways. And we all know that, that that's true and that's absolutely what happens. But what is absolutely not up for debate is the fact that Jesus will return. And when he returns, all that we're hoping for, all that we're longing for, all that we're, we're trusting in, and, and all that our faith rests on now, in, in the here and now, it will all be revealed. It's going to happen. All of this around us, all the craziness of, of life, even on our best day, and especially on the not-so-good days that we find ourselves still in, um, 
none of that is it. <laughs> Praise God. None of that is it. You know, this is not the end. Not even close. And all that is good and and great and glorious and perfect and uncorruptible and unending, all that's coming and will be revealed in the last time, the time of God's choosing and His perfect sovereignty through the revelation of His Son, Jesus. And verse 6, here's how how we should all uh, respond to knowing this. This is what um, all of, of that should result in for all of us. Verse 6, you rejoice in this. And you could even look at that as a command. Rejoice in this. And certainly we should. And that's another thing we can all and should all agree on, right? That, that this is where the source of our joy comes from. And that no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, we can rejoice because of all that we just read, all that Peter just communicated to us. And this is certainly powerful and relevant for the ongoing COVID situation, but goodness, this goes far beyond that, right? I mean, this, this kind of stuff is, is the anchor for and the source of our joy for all circumstances, for no matter what. Um, and, and this is absolutely something that should fill our minds and our hearts and every aspect of our lives with true, um, lasting, unconquerable joy. So rejoice in this, he says, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Um, When he says, even though now for a short time, I think of what Paul said in Romans 8, 18, uh, where he says this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time or this present world or life or age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And he's talking about um, that new creation, the restoration of all things that Jesus Christ himself ushers in. You know, he said, um, behold, I, I make all things new. Um, and that's certainly what's going to happen. It's, it's an absolute assured reality. And so Peter is saying, even though right now for a short time, you're going to suffer grief in various trials. Think of what Jesus said. In this world, in this life, you're going to suffer hardship and trials and persecution. But don't let that defeat you because I've overcome all of it. And even though you go through it now for a short time, it will in no way be the end of the story for you. It won't even be the bulk or the majority of your existence. Friends, this life... I mean, at best is what, 80, 90 years? And that doesn't even come close to registering as a speck on the the scale of eternity. So, of course, like Paul said in Romans 8, like Peter is saying here, everything we go through, even the worst of times and the most difficult circumstances imaginable, really can be viewed as a very momentary experience of affliction, a very brief, brief segment that when we step into eternity, we won't even be able to to look back and even reference this time. That's how small it will be. And this was especially powerful for the people that Peter was writing to in this epistle. Um, Let's just pause and zoom out again and remember the context. He's writing to the first century church, which at this time was undergoing intense 
continual, just never letting up and severe persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire and still at the hand of many of the Jewish leaders. So, uh, just like we talked about last week, that when Paul in Romans 13 was saying, submit to the governing authorities, and, and that was a very hard thing to hear, um, considering who those governing authorities were. And the same with, with Peter, as we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, the same is true here. This would have been exactly what the people reading this letter for the first time um, or in the original context needed to hear. Um, because what was right in front of their face was hard, hard days, far harder than what we uh, are going through or are experiencing now. Um, and so this would have been tremendous encouragement and reminders of joy for them. And so even though we're not in the same situation they are, uh, or they were, um, being severely and just continually uh, violently persecuted by uh, everyone around them, even though we're not to that level, it's okay to see our current situation and circumstances and the days we find ourselves in and have found ourselves in really since the start of 2020. It's okay to still say, you know what, it's not great. It's, it's not comfortable. It's not what I wanted to, to be defining um, my year as of almost August of 2020. You know, I really had hoped all this would be gone by now. It's not. Um, it's okay to not be okay with that. But what is not okay is to let all that define or defeat us. Can't let that happen. Uh, we have far too much promised for us. We have far too much um, joy that's available to us. Really, we have a far greater reality. I mean, yeah, this is our current reality, but it's not our ultimate reality. We have a far greater, far richer reality that is ours all because of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who lavished us with mercy, gave us new birth into a living hope, secured for us by the resurrection of His Son that He gave um, to be our sacrifice, that is um, also tied into this great inheritance that's imperishable, that's undefiled, unfading, that's kept in heaven for us, and we along with it are being guarded by His power. We're kept in His hand. We're secure in Him. And we have a salvation, a, a final full salvation that's going to be revealed to us in the absolute assured reality of the revelation and appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can and should rejoice in that. We should all come together and agree on this great promised reality, this great living hope. And, and we should all together joy in this and rejoice in this and remind others and encourage one another, hey, hang in there, brother, hang in there, sister, rejoice. Remember what we have. And let's agree together with Paul and with Peter that all of this, this bad time and, and any other bad time that will still come uh, while we still are in this life, that it's all going to be a short, short time. And, and even though we will suffer grief, see, Peter doesn't say, just pretend like there's nothing to be sad about. Pretend like there's nothing that can cause you grief. That's not what he's saying. He said, no, there, there are sources of grief in these circumstances, in, the, in these situations. And again, these people knew grief far more than what we know grief. So he's acknowledging that. He says there will be grief. You will suffer grief in various trials. 
Um, but even that has a redeemable quality to it and a, a purposeful aspect. Look at what he says in verse 7. Um, you're going to suffer grief in various trials, but that will all be so that, verse 7 says, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, gold as, as valuable and, and rich and sought after as it is, it is perishable. So the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in... Praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, this short experience, this short time, that will necessarily result in grief in various ways, various trials, you know, grief of different stripes, grief of different degrees of intensity and severity, um, different aspects of grief, all that will be used by God to actually prove or demonstrate or or verify the character of your faith which is more valuable than gold as precious as that is to us to humanity that it will actually result in the praise and the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ which he certainly is worthy of and all that will be fully um, revealed and verified at the revelation of Jesus Christ which is again a promised reality. So even that gives us the motivation to keep going. That gives us the fuel to keep pressing on and enduring. And we can all agree on that. That when we face trials and suffering and grief, we're not going to be able to keep going by finding anything in and of ourselves. We're not going to be able to keep going and find motivation and fuel for endurance and pressing on in anything in this life or in this world. No, it's going to come from the faith we have in Christ, which is more valuable um, than gold, that won't perish, that will last through whatever fire it's put into. Okay, And that it will all result in what we should all also agree that we want to have happen, which is the praise and the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ at his revelation. And then Peter talks about Jesus very specifically. And he says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Another thing we all need to agree on. Uh, we can agree on and we should agree on. That, yeah, we haven't seen Jesus physically, you know, literally, but we love him. And certainly, we can, we can say that together, right, church? We love our Savior. We love Him, even though we have not seen Him. And he continues, Though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. I mean, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's to believe in and love the Savior, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, even though we have not seen Him. It's like Jesus said to Thomas. He said, you know, you believe now that you have actually felt the scars and the imprint of the nails and you know I'm truly resurrected and you believe and that's great, but but man, blessed are those who will believe even though they, they haven't seen me or won't see me. Um, and that's certainly true of us. And in loving Him even though we've not seen him, and in believing in him, though still not seeing him now presently, 
Here's the the word that we just looked at a few minutes ago. And you rejoice. So though you've not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him, now you believe in him. And the result of that love and that belief is that you rejoice, that you and I can join in with the early church that read this, that, that we rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. In other words, there's so much joy that that comes from uh, knowing and loving and believing in Jesus, even though we have not seen Him, that there's no way we can even begin to uh, quantify or or describe or put into words the joy that is possible, that is available to us, and that can and should be our reality as those who love and believe in Jesus Christ. That you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy in the midst of trials and suffering and grief, not in spite of them. You know, not just when that doesn't happen, right in the middle of it, we can know inexpressible and glorious joy because we know and love and believe in a Savior that is real and reigning and returning. And that's where our joy comes from, church. And it should and and can be and, and indeed um, must be uh, the type of joy that's described here. And it, it only comes from that relationship with Jesus. And that's another thing we can all agree on, we can all uh, come to together, uh, that we must, and that we can um, get the same type of inexpressible and glorious joy that he's talking about here, that the early church knew, and that we can then share that with one another and encourage one another with and remind one another of. And the reason we have that that inexpressible and glorious joy um, is not just because of the spiritual reality, uh, as in, you know, that uh, intangible reality that he's talking about here, but look at what verse 9 says. Remember how it ends, verse 8 ends, um, that we rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, not just because of knowing a Savior that we can't see, but verse 9, because you are receiving, as in now, actively, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So our salvation is not just some far-off reality that comes at the revelation and return of Jesus Christ. That's true. We just read that earlier. But it's also a present active reality. It's not just a an eternal or far-off heavenly hope. It's a current, present, here and now, powerful hope and, and an absolute active reality. We are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of your souls. Salvation is eternal, and the full culmination of it, of it will be revealed at the return of Christ when we step into that as we're united with Him. But until then, we have the deposits being paid out, as it were, constantly, just continually, perpetually, as we go through life. We're already receiving the power and the promise of our salvation. We're already receiving the joy and the hope that comes from the salvation we have, all of which is the goal of our faith, but also which is the um, result of or even the, um, the reality of the faith that we are continually exercising, continually placing in Jesus Christ. That faith, by the way, which is a gift of God, as Ephesians 2 tells us, uh, the faith that we have and that we need to place in Christ 
That's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And so as we continue to rest in and um, place faith in Christ, even that is a supernatural thing uh, that comes from beyond ourselves. And as we do that, as, as we are in that reality, in the here and now, uh, of putting faith in a Savior that we have not seen, that is yet to be revealed to us in a physical way, we're even now receiving the benefit or the, the strength and the joy of that salvation all through faith in Christ Jesus. So, again, another thing that we, we can all agree on and that we all should agree on, and as we do, we can all experience together um, the overwhelming, the inexpressible, glorious joy from that, the, the strength and the um, courage and the endurance, uh, all of which everybody is, is looking for and, and wishes they could find and know and wants to have, but any time it's, it's sought after, searched for, outside of or apart from Christ, it will never be realized or experienced. And that's another thing that we all need to agree on and be uh, united together with and in harmony with uh, in terms of letting the world outside of us know. We need to, we need to be professing and proclaiming that. The search that you're, you're in and, and on for joy, for hope, for fulfillment, it's never going to be realized or experienced because you're looking in the wrong place. Let us share with you what we have found. It's not because we're better than you. It's because we have been called by God into His grace, into His mercy. And because of Him and through Him, we've been able to know this this hope that won't fade away. It's a living hope, an eternal hope, but it's also here and now and available. Let us tell you about it. That's the other thing we need to agree on. So I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I hope this has been a source of joy for you and that it will continue to be. Let's keep coming back to this and so many other things through God's Word and and that is absolutely a reality for us as Christians that we can agree on. Let's be determined to focus much, much more on what we can agree on, what we should agree on, more than the things that we might be able to disagree and so easily do. And let's recognize that that those are devices and strategies of, of the enemy um, who only wants to divide. Let's not let him. Okay, let's, let's join together in resisting that, fighting against that. Hope you have a great week, church. Can't wait to see you, Lord willing, next week. God bless.